Bonjour, good evening and welcome to French Football Weekly. I say evening, it could be morning, it could be afternoon, but you're here with us and thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Chris, and uh, this evening I'm joined by two of the uh, the famous four, if you will. Uh, I have got with me Jez and Phil. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hi. Um, what, what's, what's Rich's excuse? He's sunning it up in, is it Frankfurt at the moment or...? Cologne. Cologne. Ah, they all sound similar to me, those German places. But um, <laughs> do you know why I said Frankfurt? It's because I've been watching Peep Show and they go on conference to Frankfurt. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> uh, Rich will be back, um, I'm sure, next week. But uh, we say a big hello to him from afar. Uh, right, let's go on with this week's show then. We've got plenty to discuss. And uh, we're going to start off with our three games in focus as we do each and every week. Uh, we're going to start with the big one. Boys and girls, we'll start with uh, Monaco and PSG. Um, ended in a 2-1 victory for the Parisians. Somewhat closer scoreline than the game suggested it should have been, I would venture to suggest. Um, certainly a one, one-sided contest in the main. Um, Phil, what did, you, what did you make of it overall as a, as a spectacle? Did it live up to expectations? Because I kind of felt myself drifting in that second half a bit. Yeah, I think... You know, when it's the top two playing, you're you're expecting. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be maybe a bit cagey. It's going to be whatever. It it was, as you say, mostly PSG and Monaco. You know, getting uh, the goal back at the end through a deflected free kick, which I don't know who it crashed off. I think it might have been Mbappe getting booed at the Stade Louis Deux for the second time this season, obviously. Um, So it it was a little bit kind of pedestrian, maybe as we, we expected it. I think one thing that, you know, we should maybe point out is that the PSG... Obviously, the we've talked about the defence, we've talked about the attack. That midfield, now they seem to have settled on Rabiot, Draxler, Verratti, uh, was it, with Thiago Motta out, does seem much more fluid, just much more kind of rapid to respond to things, much more able to switch position. Everybody seems a bit happier in there. That could be, you know, kind of the, the sign we were looking for for... Or will PSG be able to obviously go further in other competitions as well? That combination does seem to be the the magic number that they've hit there. Behind obviously the that attack that we already knew were, was uh, going to cause problems to anybody. So I think you know Monaco that scoreline um, they won't be too unhappy with that despite obviously the pictures of Prince Albert with his half and half scarf getting a Mardi on in the stands uh, during the game Um, but looking at how PSG are developing uh, they are still developing and that's going to be quite interesting to watch in European competition going forwards as well. Yeah, it was um, very much sort of a, a one-sided contest overall, as, as you rightly say, and the, the spectacle of it just didn't really didn't really grip me for whatever reason. Um, Rich, I want to pick up on. Yes. Uh, sorry, I did that last <laughs> time, didn't I? <laughs> on the brain. Sorry, Jez. Um, I want to pick up on something that uh, that we talked about. Or Phil mentioned on on the uh, the outset there about the midfield for PSG in particular. Draxler playing in this um, sort of three-man midfield role. I think he's a he's a player that I've seen enough of over my time watching 
football from around the world that he is a player who can do a very good defensive shift as well as attacking shift. You know, he's an all-round talented footballer. Are you sort of backing this moving forwards even in the big games in Europe or do you still think that uh, good old Thiago Mosha will be wheeled out for the big Champions League games? Um, yeah, I don't think Draxler is the issue for the big European games. I think it's more Rabiot. Um, he he said numerous times that he doesn't want to play the sort of sentinel role in front of the defence. And... Um, I, I think that playing him there takes a little bit away from from where he's strongest, which is sort of pushing forward and, you know, particularly this season, having a very good relationship with Neymar. So um, I worry that a little bit for PSG that in the, in the uh, you know, again, in Ligue 1, there, there's going to be a hell of a lot less emphasis for them on the on the defensive side and so Rabio can still be sort of reasonably well appeased because he's still going to have quite a bit of freedom to go forwards but um in the in the bigger european matches he's going to have to either if he's playing in that position either he's going to be told that he needs to hang back a little bit or um you know if whether he does or not it's not his best position he may be found out so certainly yeah, Draxler will help him defensively, but I still think that um, Emery would probably prefer to have the, the sort of defensive security of Mota or Wendell or whoever they buy in January because I still think that's a, a you know, big disaster waiting to happen if they've got Mota as the only out-and-out defensive midfielder. Mm. Um, Verratti, I don't think, is quite up to it, and Rabiot... I think could be, but I just don't think he wants to be. Yeah, but I think one one thing that um, uh, French TV was saying after this game was that having that combination with Draxler and Verratti rather than Motta means that because they're switching positions uh, quite a lot, because they all can do a defensive shift, albeit we might not want to see Verratti putting tackles in because we know how that ends up often. Um that Rabio seems happier to to be in that combination because it's not kind of on him to do that fixed role that they can be more fluid because they can all all move around a bit more with a bit more understanding between them. I think it's um it's one of those sort of midfields that you look at and you think on paper it looks everything you'd want but just I just have that concern against the bigger sides in particularly in that Champions League run uh, are they going to need a little bit more strength in reserve and um, as you said Jess I think January might be interesting to see if there's any movement on that regard um, in or out potentially because there's a lot of players uh, on that PSG bench that are not particularly happy with their game time right now um, particularly a certain Argentine uh, or maybe two Argentines some would say um, maybe possibly three possibly three absolutely <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair point. Um, but uh, that's probably talk for a rainy day. The only other thing I wanted to mention on, on this game, um, obviously goals for Cavani and Neymar with the uh, deflected Moutinho free kick, the reply for Monaco. Um, I'll give you both a chance to respond to this question, but uh, does this only confirm what we suspected a few weeks ago, that there isn't really a title race, or do you still think that there is enough in this for the likes of Monaco or indeed Lyon, maybe even Marseille, to keep it interesting, at least until after Christmas anyway. Uh, Jez, do you want to start us with that one? Um, no. I mean, 
no, there's no title race. <laughs> For once, you get this is a, you give us these like one word answer questions, and usually I can't keep it down to one word. This one's easy. Straightforward, <laughs> um, no. Yeah, it's it was, a nine point gap was, now. Yeah, yeah, there was never going to be a title race. There certainly isn't now. No. Okay. Okay. Well, to save wasting time, we will just move on because I think we're all kind of agreement in that. I try my best, listeners, to uh, to coax out something that isn't there, but alas, I can only do so much. Um, so that was uh, not uh, not the best of starts for for Monaco to or best of ends, I should say, to the weekend for Monaco. Uh, we'll we'll come back to Monaco a little bit later on, but for now, we shall switch attentions uh, over to another game, which is um, rather surprisingly Nice nil. Olympic Lyonnais 5. Um, Phil, did you see this coming? I, I had it pegged as a, a narrow Lyon win myself. Um, anything but narrow. And I mean, what what is happening with Nice? We've t- well, I think we touched on them quite heavily last week in, in the show, wasn't a part of um, which I listened back to. But it, it, it does make you wonder if Lucien Favre may get his uh, Borussia Dortmund wish after all with their problems because it's just not working for Nice, is it? Yeah, I mean... Apart from anything else, I'm I'm glad that somebody else is kind of shipping five goals to Leon because that was starting to get a bit awkward over the past couple of seasons. But that's three away games on the trot where they've won five nil: Troyes, Saint Etienne, and Nice, and that's that's impressive. And this one was done obviously without uh, Fekir, who, who was out. I think uh, Traore got injured um, in in the Europa League, so. I, my notes for this on Nice just say kind of, oh, fuck. Um, if you look at the defending on the goals, it's that seems to be the, the critical position because when Cornet's goal, he just kind of went through two defenders who just, once he'd gone past them, stopped and went, oh, dear, what happened there? And then the Mariano goal, uh, the third goal, like Nice are playing five defenders and Seri was the closest to stopping Mariano, who's who was playing in midfield. And you're just looking at all of this, you know, Dante kind of looking on as Memphis got the, the, the fourth uh, just before the, the half-time mark. The defence does appear to have just kind of given up, which is obviously never a good look. Um but that does seem to be a, a a big issue, and just having you know five guys back there doesn't seem to be helping because they're not actually working together or covering the space correctly. So Leon, I think, just kind of saw uh, saw the opportunity and pounced repeatedly. And fair enough, well done to them. Uh, they did a very good job and it was great to see Maulida, obviously who scored, I think, his debut uh, pro goal um, in the Europa League midweek, getting his first league 1 goal um, as the fifth there as, as Nice just kind of fell apart at the end with the, the, the red card as well. But yeah, it's the defence is just not up to snuff at the moment, which is kind of strange given uh, what that's been like in the past. Mm, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> excuse me. Definitely. Uh, definitely, all is not well on the uh, the Riviera, if you will. Um, 
just from a, a Leon perspective, though, are they just riding the crest of a, a crest of a wave a little bit? I mean, is it? I know that's a really simple thing to say. You, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you, but they have been on good form recently, keeping clean sheets as well, which I don't think any of us really expected. Um, they are playing Lille at um, tomorrow. Ooh. Well, there's so, a home home banker yeah. then, if ever there was one. Uh, what what do you sort of make of them, Rich? I mean, at this stage, is it jazz. a, a jazz? God, <laughs> as soon as I said it, as soon as I said it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a running joke now. Oh um, God, Craig, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, the, the, is it sort of a straight shootout uh, between Leon and, and Marseille at this point, Jazz, for the uh, Champions League spots? Um, Marseille or Monaco? Uh, well, I'm, I'm taking Monaco as red that they'll be in the top two, which probably is a foolish thing to do, but let's just say they are. Um, is, is it between those other two as, um, as the biggest competitors? I mean, I think if there's any justice in the world, it's no shootout. Monaco and, and Lyon will get it in terms of um, uh, watchability um, in terms of the football that's played. Uh, Lyon, at the moment, Lyon, Lyon looking great. And, you know, I think they're, they're, they're in second now, possibly on goal difference. But yep. um they, yeah, you have to say the form they're in at the moment. They look more likely than than Monaco, who who seems so sort of fragile. Um, yeah, with Lyon, we sort of kind of um, puts paid to everything that we said last week. Where I think we were all in agreement that they are slightly um, Fekir reliant. Um, they kind of threw that out the window. I think there's never been any dispute that they've got. Um, a hell of a lot of talented individuals there and the question was always going to be whether they can play as a team um, and that includes in defence and in defence they really um, kind of solidified that the, the run of clean sheets for the most part hasn't been against the greatest attacks in the world but still I can't, I can't remember offhand how many matches it is but I think it must be a good six, seven matches now um, where they haven't conceded, so by any standards, you know, it's a top-flight division and Europe. That that's a pretty good record. And then going forward, it's all sort of working. Toussaint, I think, you know, he's been ever present. I think he's been fantastic for them, sort of on the quiet. Um, and Dombele and Aouar, you know, talking about a PSG midfield, that is an exciting midfield there. Toussaint and Dombele and Aouar up front. I still think they're all a bit sort of mercurial and certainly the three that that started the other day on another um against nice on another day you could see all of them having mares the has proved it several times corne was booed off last week for leon because he was so poor but this week everything clicked and even though probably all five goals came from defensive errors or not necessarily defensively i mean they, they all they all seem to come from nice losing the ball a couple of them were in sort of relatively more attacking positions, the way that Lyon broke forward and some of those final passes, there was the one Aroua to Diaz, even the first one, the corner ball with the outside of his foot to, to Depay, there was um, an Ndombele one, another great pass, um, and the finishes as well. I, mean, I agree that the defence was lacking, but the sort of speed of footwork of Corne for his goal was, was quite impressive and I'm not one to quickly rush to compliment him because of his um Mets background. Um but yeah they they were they were great to watch and you know it was surprising that that Fekir wasn't missed. Um 
I still think that they will have peaks and troughs. I think it's the nature of the kind of team they've got with, like I said, some mercurial individuals and some very young players. But they're also going to be great value to watch, certainly as a neutral, because I don't think um, I don't think you're going to get many nil-nils with them. Um, either they're going to be up for it and they'll be scoring or they'll have one of them there so the other team will score. And, you know, we saw earlier in the season with a couple of thrills. Um, they're, yeah, they're, if you want entertainment, um, Lyon or Lyon match is probably the place to go at the moment. What yeah, should be nil-nil so nil against Lille tomorrow? I was going to say, you've jinxed that, haven't you, right now? <laughs> and and so the Europa League run, of course, is going to be interesting to see if they can keep this form going if they go into the, the latter stages, which they'll prioritise out the two, because um, obviously with the two guaranteed Champions League spots and the one playoff, it makes you wonder if they'll keep pushing to try and get a lead over Monaco to secure second place ahead of uh, what they may do in the Europa League. But we shall see. Isn't the final in Lyon this year? Am I right in saying? Oh, was that, that was last yeah. year, wasn't it? Damn. That would have been a pain. It's Copenhagen, isn't it, this year, I think? But, um, yes. Uh, first to visit. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Went there with Arsenal a few years ago. That was a, a lovely old time. Um, anywho, so, uh, yes, that's, um, that's Leon. Another impressive performance. And as you say, the, the Nice um, issue continues. Certainly not nice for them at the moment. But we shall see what happens with them moving forward because all is, is certainly not well. And the news that Wesley Schneider will be out for a long time might just improve them slightly there I say it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, another team that we should talk about um, in terms of improving as well as a team uh, on the decline uh, brings us to our third uh, and final sort of highlight game which is uh, Khan beating Bordeaux by a goal to nil uh, Santini who else other than Rodolan got the winning goal in this game um, Jez ha, remembered your name Woo. <laughs> um, what Take it from a, a Khan perspective for you, from your side of things. Um, seven wins, one draw and six defeats from their 14 played. Uh, they've got a minus four goal difference, yet somehow they sit sixth. It's bizarre. Um, what do you think is, has been the key to their season? Because they struggled so badly last season. Um, and yet this season, it seems to have been a fairly consistent run of results. Unbeaten in the last two now after defeat to Marseille where they got walloped. So they seem to have turned that around and, and had these two games undefeated. Uh, their next um, task is currently underway. They're playing Strasbourg um, in Liga at the moment. Uh, frantically checking schools. Still nil-nil after nil-nil. 65 minutes. Um, so what do you make of them this season and, and what do you think is working as opposed to last season? Um, I mean, you, you look at the, the goal scores, I think only mess have scored fewer so they're certainly not prolific and uh i did I, at half time i did see a review of um the the strasbourg Caen first half saying strasbourg want to play but aren't quite good enough and Caen have got no interest in playing um possibly it's that possibly it's just a case of keeping very tight at the back um and picking teams off um, to, to sort of scrape narrow wins. You look at um, uh, I mean, practically every win that they've had this season has been 1-0, certainly by one goal, um, with you know, very few exceptions. So it's, yeah, it's the classic thing that, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's worked for Nantes this year, it's worked for, for Marseille a little bit. It, if if you can keep it tight and you've got a couple of potential match winners um, up front, then you've you you know you you don't need to score many in order to win. 
Um, and then, yeah, up front they've got um, Santini, who's, who's still a, you know, a good, it's not to say a big lump up front, but it's not fair. I think he's, he's, um, he's tall and he's strong, but I do think he has quite a bit of ability. And Rodelin, who I think we had a question about him last week, and also I think today on the site I posted, or on the um, Twitter account, I posted a, a compilation of, of some of his best moments in the last couple of years. He really has grown into a, a very good, and I think, underrated footballer. Um, I thought at Marseille, uh, um, Leo, I think he sort of appeared on the scene around the t- same time as um, Divock Origi, and Origi definitely looked like the better of the two. But arguably, he's sort of um, plateaued, and I think Rodelin has improved. Um, he looked sort of very leggy and clumsy at Lille, but he looks very good on the ball. He's got a lovely um, final final delivery, and he scored a couple of cracking goals. There was the, the brilliant volley a few weeks ago. There was the last-minute equaliser, I think, last week against Nice, which was a great finish, and he really is turning into a, a very good player. You've got indif- and goalkeeper, you've got Vercout, who I think is 37 now, but he showed against Bordeaux this weekend. He still um, can be a very reliable keeper who, who comes up with some big saves when they when they're needed. You've got Ait Benasser in midfield, who arguably Monaco could do with, with uh, recalling, who's, I, I still think, growing every game and really has got the potential to be a, a, a world-class midfielder. So, you know, there's there's a good spine to that team. And um, I kind of say it about a team or two every year that I feel that as long as it is sort of generally one goal in it, your luck can easily change and those 1-0 wins could turn into nil-nils or one nils or even nil-one defeats. But, you know, as long as, as long as it's going their way, that they're, they're doing brilliantly, mm. I guess, making hay while the sun shines. Yeah, they're doing that. Sorry, go on, Phil. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Rodolan got the assist for Santini's goal at, at the weekend. And you also look at that midfield, obviously you've got Julian Ferre is in there, who is an older head and a whiz, you know, a grizzled uh, old stager. He's just actually been taken off for a Benassa um, in the, the midweek game, as that seems to be a slight forward forward push, as it were. So I think... You know, Caen are, uh, as Jess says, they have got the second worst attack in the league. They've scored 10, um, but they've only conceded 14. Um, Vakuta's doing a great job um, in goal uh, because it was looking a bit iffy uh, at, at the weekend. Bordeaux were trying. I mean, we've, we've pinned Bordeaux's fortunes to Malcolm's fortunes. Malcolm was still working really hard, trying to get on the end of things, putting in decent crosses. But, uh, you know, Vakut managed to see that off and, you know, it, it became uh, quite a, a cagey uh, game of attrition almost uh, towards the end. But Cole seemed to have, you know, the character for that. And as Jess says, they're, they're just going to, to ride this wave as, as long as it goes. Um, may, may not be the most exciting or interesting thing to see, but given what happened, you know, where they were last year and where they are, this season, um, you know, you've got to completely respect that they are being very practical in in what they're doing and and doing a very good job. It was Rodelin who scored the um, injury time equaliser in the last match of the season against PSG last year that kept them up as well. Mm. 
<laughs> the irony. Um, and uh, yes, and he's and he's. I think he's a player that might be on a few radars come January, which would be interesting to see if Khan can rebuff that interest. Um, but um, Phil, we should also touch on Bordeaux before we um, before we move on from this uh, this game because they have fallen off a cliff. Yeah, um, seven games without a win. Yeah, I mean what. What has changed? I mean, it can't be as simple as, as Malcolm losing form and, and a few defensive slips, surely, because, it, you know, they just look like a side that cannot catch a break at the moment. And all of a sudden, having been mid-table and pushing for Europe, they're now 13th and falling like a stone. Yeah, I think we had five teams on 15 points last weekend, of whom four won and so became Team 18, thus dumping Bordeaux and Toulouse down into the bottom half of the table. Now, as I said, we, we've kind of lined Bordeaux's form to Malcolm's form. And yes, he he didn't, you know, make a difference at the weekend, but he is still clearly a very good player and he is still clearly trying very hard. So I think it just seems that Sometimes it's bad luck. Sometimes it's it's a lack of coordination. But those sometimes are all kind of clumping together to mean that they have had an absolutely terrible run of form. And with you know, within the middle of three games in a week, uh, you know that could really um, kind of exacerbate the pressure that's that's being felt by everybody. They're playing. Saint-Étienne later this evening so that's going to be two teams who are in a run of extreme funk coming up against each other it might be an absolutely terrible game but whoever comes out of that with a win if somebody does that might just give a little bit of oomph to, to, to go into the next game but it's going to be I think a kind of an awkward watch uh, when that kicks off shortly after we finish recording yes. It's crazy to think Saint-Etienne are five places ahead of Bordeaux but if Bordeaux win they go ahead and Yeah it is It is the proverbial um, two bold men fighting over a comb that game isn't it It's uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be one to um, to keep tabs on. It's certainly one I'm going to keep my eye on uh, for this evening as well. But um, <clears throat> we should say, as well as the strasbourg Khan game that's currently, again, nil-nil as we speak, uh, 75 minutes gone, uh, Amiens are also currently in action against Dijon and are 2-1 to the good. Um, so same minutes played. Two members of Team 18 who are uh, kind of fighting things out. This is actually the closest encounter this weekend, 10th versus 12th um, at kickoff. Yeah, so, and I mean, so, with a win, could go seventh, which is yeah. just and crackers. Just both of them, um, after having had some yips at, at the start of the season, really kind of getting together, being very organised. We've got Kakuta scoring the opener for Amiens. He's, you know, um, scored some some very important goals, and Quan uh, getting the equaliser for Dijon before Cornet scored the second. Um, you know, they're, they're flying under the radar. They don't have big stars, but they are quietly going about their business, both of them, which is uh, which is interesting to see uh, in keeping, you know, the middle of the table really, really tight at the moment. Yeah, tight and uh, competitive. And by the way, I'm not having Khan's away kit. I'm not having that at all. Uh, sort of a fluorescent, like highlighter pink sort of number I'm not having that it's, it's is, not a good look is, is that the one that looks like they've been run over or is that it, it's just it's just pure it's all pink shirt short socks right. and it I say it's kind of fluorescent highlighter pen pink and it just looks a bit wrong yeah um, 
yeah not not a fan i don't mind a loud kit but that's a bit loud for me never mind um Anyway, well, that was uh, that was the three games we wanted to uh, to highlight this week. Um, we will just quickly run through uh, the other results, just in case you have missed anything. Um, so uh, let's pick up for these other games if I can find them. Uh, Le weekend Kifu, if you will. So we had a Strasbourg uh, drawing two-two with Saint Etienne on Friday night. Uh, Hanani putting Saint Etienne in front for Lewu got the equaliser. Kevin Monipake putting St. Etienne back in front before Yanis Martin getting the equalising goal from the spot. So 2-2 two, two, that finished. Uh, Wren picking up a vital 2-1 victory for them over Nantes uh, on the Saturday early game. Wabi Kazri with two goals there. Um, Salah with a penalty back for Nantes who had Palio, uh, Palo, Palios sent off on the 57th minute. Palois isn't it actually? It should Palois. Be yeah. And there was right also a, a mild punch up in that game. There was, wasn't there? Not that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, we, yeah, of course, we don't like to see that sort of thing ever, of course. Um, <laughs> fisty cuffs. Uh, Quan was on the score sheet for Dijon as well, uh, as he is tonight. Um, against Toulouse, a 3 1 victory for Dijon, Shaka, and Said with the others, with Andy Delors. Uh, at last getting on the score sheet for Toulouse, but alas, another defeat. Uh, speaking of which, um, just close your ears. Metz nil, Amiens 2, uh, Konate and Zungu with the winning goals there for Amiens. And um, Metz, I'm sorry, continue the downward spiral to Ligue 2, unfortunately. Um, Montpellier, speaking of spirals, uh, put paid to uh, Marcelo Bielsa's current Nice team, uh, Lille team, sorry, as he watched from a bar on his laptop. Bizarre image that was. Um, Excuse me, but goals from uh, Roussillon, Sio, and Kazimin Ninga. Um, 3-0 up by half-time. Game was game set and match. 3-0 victory for the home side. Uh, also 3-0 victory for Toi, who beat Angers uh, on the Saturday evening game as well. Kalui, uh, Sukhyun Jun, and Roman Thomas' uh, own goal with the points for Toi in that one. And on Sunday... Uh, Sort of skipping past the two games we've already mentioned, the other result was Marseille continuing their winning ways. Florent Tovan getting the winner against Gangomp. And uh, as we've said earlier, we've got midweek fixtures, uh, two of which, as we said earlier, are underway. Uh, after those concluded games, we also have more tonight. Uh, we have Bordeaux Saint Etienne, as we picked up on earlier, and then on Wednesday, Angers Rennes, Gangomp Montpellier, Lyon Lille, Metz Marseille, Nantes Monaco, Toulouse Nice, PSG Troyes. Uh, then, of course, the Friday fixtures come around again. Um, as regards the table, you won't be surprised to know PSG are indeed uh, extending their lead, as we mentioned earlier. Nine points clear now of Lyon, who have uh, got up to second in, uh, in light of Monaco's defeat, who now go to third. Uh, we have Marseille, fourth, Nantes, and Cannes, fifth and sixth, with Montpellier, Saint-Etienne, Rennes, and Amiens making up the top ten. And then down at the bottom, uh, Metz, yeah, uh, looking doomed as the weeks go by. Four points and bottom, Lille, not such a good weekend for them again. Twelve points, second bottom, with Nice surprisingly dropping into that relegation playoff spot. Fourteen points, along with Strasbourg, with Angers, Gangomp, Toulouse, Bordeaux, Dijon and Troyes, up to 11th so that is the weekend that was in Liga um have we got a game we're potentially going to be looking at for next week uh, guys and girls anything we might like to pick up on probably the one that stands out to me weirdly Khan Leon just because I'm a bit strange like that but um any others that you want to pick up on um Saint-Etienne Nantes could be a nil-nil that makes you want to drink heavily but could be yeah. a good result, table-wise. 
maybe Lille to lose as well. Two sides needing points for slightly different reasons. But um, yeah, there's a couple of tasty fixtures there. Even Nice Mets all of a sudden has got quite a big, quite a big uh, say in it. Maybe not for Mets. Sorry, Jazz, but um, you, you know you'd think that if Nice if Nice cannot beat Mets at home, then there are serious problems there. So they will. Don't worry. <laughs> That's confidence for you. I like it. I think okay. Dijon Bordeaux could be a yeah, that's entertaining true. Entertaining match to watch. I think it'll be some nice football on display there. Yeah, yeah. So that's Friday night. Yeah, and another yeah, important, uh, another important game that as well in terms of Bordeaux's current uh, lack of form. So, yeah, may well be one to uh, to keep an eye on. Right. Okay. Um, so we'll leave the uh, sort of weekend of Liga chat there for a moment. Um, we are going to do just a very quick nudge to Ligue 2 before our Grand Débat and some questions because um, we've had a few people sort of ask us what's going on in Ligue 2. Um, we do need to, to book one of our, our friendly Ligue 2 followers on at some point so we can go into things in a little bit more depth. But uh, Jez, you and I said we'd have a quick sort of rummage through where things are at the moment and let people know what teams are in form and what teams aren't uh, we've got Ram top of the league at the moment um, I didn't realize until I checked actually but they are seven points clear um, at the top of the table um, one 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 nil away at Ajaxio with a 90th minute winner at the weekend have you seen anything of Ram this season at all you can be honest I don't mind <laughs> honestly I, I'm having a season off league though seeing as I'm clearly <laughs> gonna have to be watching it a lot more next year I'm um, <laughs> trying to do the same with Lorient, funnily enough, but um, it's yeah, it works intermittently. Um, I, you know, at the start of the season, it looked like there were sort of three, four contenders. Lorient were well up there, Brest were well up there, but at the moment, I mean, Ras have played a game more than um, than everyone else. They'll they'll be ca- the other teams will be catching up, I think, tonight and tomorrow as well. But they do look very well set at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, even you know, even if all those around them win they'll still have a, a very nice cushion but um it's good to see Neiman Clermont um sort of just behind them um, yeah. Clermont obviously um had to change manager earlier in the season um because Corinne Diac joined the um the French women's team after doing a, a great job at Clermont but um they put their set themselves up and and uh you know pushed on even further and Nîmes um could well be of interest to to feel that they're doing well because that'd be a, a nice Montpellier derby next season. But um, <laughs> the Nîmes has particularly caught my eye mainly because they're a lot of the reason for them being second is because of a certain striker called um, Umut Bozok, who is a Turkish under the 21 international mm. and has scored hat-tricks in his last three home games, has scored... 13 goals this season, 13 in his last 15 games. And um, he comes from, well, he was, uh, last year he was at Marseille Consola, who are a team I've got a soft spot for, because I wrote an article about them last year and um, fell in love with them. But before that, he was at a team called Mets, who decided to get rid of him. And this year they have five goals this season. Who is so. this Mets you speak of? I've never heard of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, that must be a bitter pill to swallow. Maybe you could sign him back next season to get out of Ligue 2 again. Maybe? No? Um, the season Ligue 
Yeah, I mean, he, he and, and a striker like that with that sort of goal return, um, you just know that you're going to see him at a bottom end Premier League club for a small fee and his career just goes flying into nowhere by January. <laughs> you just know that's going to happen. But let's hope it doesn't because obviously he's having a, a, a good time down in Ligue 2. And, and uh, speaking of which, you said about those other teams that are chasing. I mean, Nîmes um, are indeed second on 31 points. Clermont, 29 in third. And Lorient uh, also on 29 in fourth. Uh, Nîmes and Lorient meet. Um, at the Moustoir uh, tomorrow, I think. Or is it tonight? No, it is tonight. Um, shows what I know, doesn't it? But um, that's that's going to have quite a big say in, in who leapfrogs who, unless, of course, it's a draw. Um, we've got uh, Neem are in action against... Uh, sorry, Neem Lauren covered Clermont, sorry, are in action at home to Brest, uh, which is another sort of tasty-looking tie if, if you're a fan of your league doing football. Brest currently in eighth, and as you said, Clermont up in third, so they could extend that that run. Paris FC, anything you want to add on them, Jez? I mean, obviously all the talk is always about PSG, of course, but little Paris FC having a lovely time. Um, and they are fifth, 29 points. Have I mean, you... it, would, it, would be, it would be great to see them go up just to shut up everyone who keeps saying there's only one team in Paris. Mm. Um, uh, I was going to say I fear for them if they did go up, but then I said that about Amiens as well. Um, it's funny because you know only last year or two years ago it looked like Red Star with a really upwardly mobile other team in Paris and, and Paris FC were sort of um, I think three divisions down but um, yeah what they're doing this year is fantastic um, only you know only two points or seconds so um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could go up and you know it's, it is a weird anomaly that one of the major cities in Europe has only got one top flight team. So it would be fantastic to see another one there. And certainly, you know, weird, but intriguing to see the contrast between the two Parisian teams. Which yeah. is just out of interest, has the, um, this Paris FC is now what we're calling Juvisi from the women's, uh, the women's uh, division now. Did did the men's team pick anything up from from that merger, or Juvisi was an entirely women's team? So that's the only change there. It's not been like this is a merger that's uh, given them given them more more players, more access. Does anybody know? I don't know. Sorry, no, I just I, dropped I, my remote, and I I have no idea. But I did. I read something. I'm trying to rack my brains, or I read something about the. That situation, but I'd have to dig out where I read it from. I, I um, think Juvisy was purely a women's team, or if there was a men's team, it was way down the the pyramid. But I just wondered if if there was something there. Mm, something that we can um, we can do some digging on ahead of next week, um, maybe if we can find out. Uh, and I think um, we we'll touch on the bottom of the league as well, actually. But uh, I think we've all said plans are. I thought we'll try and get somebody. Uh, onto the pod at some point fairly soon if we can just uh, somebody who's following a bit of Ligue 2 who can fill us in in a little bit more depth but we should mention that uh, Tour are currently bottom um, five points they are the Mets of, of Ligue 2 I keep rubbing this in just don't I it's me um, <laughs> Mets uh, haven't got 
got five points. <laughs> no, true. One point better off. Uh, Kiveli ran our second bottom on eight points. There's a bit of a, a gap then to Borgon Bress, uh, 13 points in the relegation playoff zone. With uh, Lons, I was quite surprised actually to see some of these teams down at the bottom here. Lons, Nancy, and Osea up to 15th, um, all struggling down at the bottom. Um, not good. Not good for those sides. Um, bit of a bit of a tough time for all, but um, yeah, I, I think it's it looks like a competitive division if you if you look at the points tally. Twenty two points for Neil in uh, in thirteenth place, up to Clermont on twenty nine in third. It's quite a constant constantina of teams um, all lining up. So it's proving to be a competitive division, um, and uh, we shall endeavour to sort of keep our uh, keep our eyes on the prize as it were and keep you informed as we go along but if there is a specific team or question you have about League Dur, uh, rather than us fumbling around in the dark um, please give us a shout in midweek and we will try and find the answer to it for you right um, okay we're going to um, round off the show this week uh, with some questions in a minute but before we do uh, it is time for Le Grand Débat uh, this week um, it's one I've uh, chosen we were going to talk about the teams struggling down at the bottom but then I decided no I want to change it back and, and have a little talk about Monaco uh, so I'm going to give you both some time to uh, to answer me this question. And the question I have to pose for you is uh, Project Monaco. That's not a hashtag, um, but it's what I'm going to sort of call this debate. Um, is it working or does it have to be stripped to the core and restarted with a fresh coat of paint? And what I mean by that is, uh, does Leonardo Jardino, as good a coach as he is, does he need to find pastures new uh, and do some of the other players who did... Uh, escape the fire cell, uh, Thomas Limar, Gilles Sidibe, for example, uh, Supersic, uh, even Falcao, do they have to look at a completely sort of fresh start um, rather than trying desperately to rebuild the, the remains of previous? What, um, uh, Phil, wouldn't you start us off? What, what do you sort of think uh, about the future of coach and players in this current Monaco setup? Well, I think it's an odd situation because obviously Monaco are third and they're only third on goal difference. What we're looking at as being the calamity has been the Champions League, where they have been, to be fair, dreadful. Um, but one thing we've mentioned multiple times over the last couple of seasons about Monaco is the airport departure lounge style of their transfer market. And I was, because I knew this was coming up, I had a little look back over what actually happened in the summer right 10 players in purchased or free two promotees 10 players back from 10 players back from loan right of whom five of those have gone out on loan again two of them have been sold one of the guys that came in on a free has been loaned out as has one of the promotees and the other promotee just isn't in the squad Look at those numbers, that degree of change, whereas they lost Mendy, Silva, Bakayoko, Germain, Sam Maxima was one of the ones that went out. Comte Jean was one of the ones that went out who'd come back in. Dirar, Abdou Diallo and Mbappe on loan. The amount of change there... I've always thought, you know, however much, you know, players have gone out, they've still got good players back. But when you look at the amount of movement there, how can anybody maintain a relationship? Um, how can those things be developed? We looked at, I watched Andrea Raji is one of the, the centre-backs recently. 
he's clearly slowing down. He's been making a lot of mistakes. And all of these guys coming in and out, all in their, their 20s, three of the guys they've played money for have paid, played basically no minutes. Uh, it's a, a weird system. And it has been, as we've said in the past, kind of a commercial system. You buy in low and you sell on high. And that is clearly maybe not going to be the way to, to continue going forward. That they need to be looking at recruiting more sensibly rather than um, paying large amounts of money for youngsters necessarily who they're not going to use so maybe with Jovetic they actually bought him he's 27 and they are playing him to a certain degree that might be more where they need to to go to we saw you know before uh, a couple of years ago that they were buying big and selling on and then it keep, seemed to calm down a bit but it's still the same model just less so they may need to move to something that's a little bit more by experience rather than um rather than these young guys who are an investment i i i, I don't know jez do you do you see if you're looking at the list of who they've bought in and what they've done with them does that seem, you know, sensible to replace what they've let go this summer? Um, I mean, it's it's impossible to the players that they've let go in the summer. Uh, I mean, almost irreplaceable. I think um, that it might have been. You might have, doesn't mean you you shouldn't try as it were i mean they brought in you know keita balde tillman's congolo jovatic who's the only one who's over 25 diakabi mate and mbula i think they i i've only got a couple of issues with their signings um i think that it depends what you want from them i mm. think um you know, if their project is to win league at year in, year out, then yeah, they need to rip it up and start yeah. again. But I don't think that is the project. And I don't think it's no. ever I don't think it shouldn't um, be the project. Ribolovlev and Vasiev have ever pretended it's anything else. I think it's exactly what it is. It's buy low, develop these players and sell high. They you know, they sold all those players in the summer, but they sold them for three hundred and fifty million. Um and sold a painting for the same price for good measure but um i as a as a fan it might be of monaco or even of french football it's frustrating in a way because you want to see a bit of a sort of um dynasty you want to see consistent competition for psg you want to see um better representation in europe but at the same time i think as a neutral fan it's it's fantastic to see these young players coming through and I mean, you could argue that maybe they they sort of it's a bit of a scattergun approach, and they sign too many of them. But um, it's hard to fault what they've done in the last two three years in terms of the the players that they have developed, both um, within the club in general and Jardim in particular. Um, you know, 
Balde and Jovetic are sort of old and grizzled by by the standards of of many of their recent signings. Um, Gazal's an interesting one because he's already kind of established and already gone off the boil. So it's interesting experiment to see if they can improve him. But players like um, Tielemans, Congolo, um, and Bulo, these are players that have sort of been spoken about um, in dispatches for for two, three years by, by previous clubs about what, what great talents they are. Gaspar um, from Lyon as well. And, you know, obviously they've got... A well, he's of... gone out on loan. Mbula hasn't played. This is my point. I, I don't have a problem with them buying youth. It's, as you said, they might be buying too many. They're not playing them. Whereas they need to replace Mendy, Silva, Bakayoko, Germain, Diallo, Dira, Mbappe. It's like... It just feels like they haven't or there was some space in that hundred million quid euros they spent over the summer to buy some guys in their mid twenties who I think if they have a proven you know, water carriers, job doers, whatever. It just it does seem a little bit extreme. No, I I think if they have a poor season next season then I'd be slightly more tempted to agree. But mm-hmm. I think this has been the pattern since they decided not to sort of go full Galactico. Um, um, sort of accept that you're going to have one slightly off-season while these players bed in. Um, and as you said, it was it was a bad European season, but they are still third, third. and only off second on goal difference. Yeah. Um, considering everything that you said I think that's pretty good going mm-hmm. um, and there are you know in Falcao in Subasic in Raggy even though he's not having the best of times and possibly a bit past it there is a reasonable spine there and I think there's a hell of a lot of talent to work around it and although they're not water carriers um, Balze and Jovetic have sort of been there and done that Gazelle has got European experience Tielemans has got huge European experience so they, they did underperform, but I don't think they're sort of, yeah, I'm, I, I don't question um, their transfer policy. I think it's been, I think they had an excellent transfer window, considering so many of those players were inevitably going to leave. Mm. And then I don't, I'm not sure the very, I know that, I do think most footballers are quite mercenary. And you know Falcao and James obviously went there for a hell of a lot of money, but I don't. I, given the choice, I don't think a lot of the top players would necessarily go there anyway. Um, so I, I like I like the way they're doing it. I like what they're trying to do. I kind of prefer them sort of trying to bring youngsters through than sort of you know nab players off other teams in the way that that. Well, I think it's fair to say PSG do. And Mbappe, although he's very young, is also kind of, um, uh, you know, that exactly that kind of player, someone that was sort of um, poached off them in a bit of a distasteful way. Hmm. And obviously in terms of, you know, water carriers, he, he might be sulking, but they've still got Fabinho as well. Yeah. Um, um, he, and Moutinho. So that there is definitely a, a lot of experience in that squad and mm. close to the first team as well. Yeah, I mean, Fabinho, obviously, bless him, he seems to be doing his best not to sulk, as it were, having 
rumours are being promised that he could move and then it was like we've sold everybody else so you can't go he's still doing a job but when you look at the two promotees from the summer Cardona who I think we we tipped up last summer obviously has been been loaned out and Serrano a 19 year old left back just not in the squad he's still in the B team the problem is that unlike Lyon they're not developing their own players they are in a sense, buying in youth um, to then uh, be developing youth, and it, so it's a the two of them being second and third on the same points is is kind of an interesting contrast because Leon obviously have got that academy which pumps out these you know great prospects, and there's so many of them in the Leon team. And Monaco do have a lot of young players, but they are still all young players that they've bought. And it is a, a different model. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, as you say, over time. Because apart from anything else, when you're talking about sulking and stuff, does loyal is loyalty more likely when you've been through the academy since the age of 14? You know, uh, that's so, another another question possibly to, to pose. But the, their youth team's done very well in the last two, three years as well. And um, there's players that, people are kind of expecting to come through like Bon Giovanni and Badia Shidengo and mm-hmm. um, you know is it Diallo or Diallo so I can never remember which one who went to Mainz but may well have been close to the first team and Doram's getting chances Cardona to be fair got a lot of chances last year and although I was hoping he would I was rooting for him he did very little with it so I don't think it's that surprising that, that he went out on loan so I, I think Jardim is a kind of if they're good enough, they'll get their chance kind of coach. Mm. And the fact uh, that they're sending someone loan, I guess is kind of a, you know, rather than selling them is possibly a good sign that they want them to come back and. But look at how many of those returning loanees, as I say, 10 returning loanees, the only ones playing Ronnie Lopez, fine. Adama Traore, basically two games and Rafti Ara has, as you say, I think has been sold on to Mainz. If players get sent out from loan by Monaco, unless they're Falcao with that weird kind of trip round Britain quiz thing he did a couple of years ago, it it's like the the loan deal. The loan market is a market. It's not necessarily for their own their own um, squad. So it it's it still looks fragmented to me that's all I'm i mean the, the the only one that to me is a bit of a um or the only two that are sort of eyebrow raisers for me is sam aximan and diaz diaz to be honest I've, I've barely seen but i've heard good things about him at fiorentina mm-hmm. sam Maxima, i think is a very sort of again mercurial player he can be brilliant on his day but i'm not sure he has many of those days so even then i can understand the only one that i'm really shocked that went out on loan is I I Ben Asser, but he's one that I can definitely see walking straight into their first team next summer. It's um it's it's one of those it, sort of a sad project Monaco at, at the out. It, it's just one of those that I just wonder if um <clears throat> excuse me, I just wonder if it's one of those that needs a clean sweep and a brush through to to sort of rebuild but I suppose a lot of that is going to depend on the owner and, and in terms of the money and the players they can get in I mean there's already talk that <clears throat> excuse me that certain players will be 
will be moving on again. Um, you would uh, you would imagine that the likes of Lamar and Fabinho are going to command quite big fees, but as we touched on earlier on, will we? Will, you know, will they be able to reinvest? Will we see new names coming in of the same quality? I think that's the concern. And the only other option they've got, of course, is going down the the Leon route. You know, buying young stars or bringing players through a, sort of an, an academy and trying to to blood them at this stage and writing off the next couple of seasons. But um, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And obviously, we welcome any of your views. Uh, if you listen to this and you have a strong view on it uh, and you want to put it across to us, please do. Please do. Um, we will try our best to uh, to air those views where we can. But um, as we as we draw this week's uh, podcast to a close, because we are on the hour mark, um, is there any very short questions that we can answer, Phil, that we've had come in, uh, just to give our listeners a quick answer to anything that's come in? Uh, I haven't seen the questions. I just wanted to mention the two games that the French women's team had over, over the last week. They got hammered 4-0 by... Germany before drawing nil-nil with Sweden yesterday. Uh, what we've seen is Corinne Diak basically trying out some new players, uh, having taken over, which is uh, very interesting. With Bordeaux's Najima Ali Najim, uh, Gangonsler Lagarek uh, featuring against Germany, and then um, in the Sweden game, Fastin Robert again from Gangon and uh, Paris FC's Ines Chiron. Jorena and Karima Benamur in goal playing. So she's trying to, to get some new players into a team that has had some retirements and does need a bit of changing up. And she did imply after the Sweden game, just slightly frustrating nil-nil draw, um, that she's now kind of got the team in her head there will be less trying out because now she wants the team to be developing automatisms uh, as she was saying developing the understanding developing the relationships that will take them forward hopefully to uh, a successful world cup 2019 so uh, that was just something i wanted to to mention that les bleus are have been in action and um We'll be back in action with more friendlies in January when we'll be looking at maybe at a more settled team after some experimentation from Corin Diak. There we go. Good stuff. Okay, so we'll obviously that keep that. Happens. Sorry, that. No, it's just that. I'm just looking at the questions now that have come in. Um, have you got anything uh, you wanted to bring up there, Jess? No, no, I was just going to read out the questions, but if, ah. if you've got them, go ahead. <laughs> I, I can fire them off very quickly. We'll do our best just to read through. Um, Ariane wanted to know if Club should sign Nabil Fakir in the summer, or is it too, too dangerous knowing that he's ruptured his ACL two years ago? Um, quick answer to that one. Yes, they should, because he's wonderful and we love him. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the injuries are worried, but I think he's proving thus far he's come back a more robust and more physical player, so I wouldn't have any doubts. I think if you take into consideration previous injuries, you'd never sign another player again if they had an injury. So I think you've just got to take a leap of faith on the talent that's available. Um, anybody want to throw forward best goalkeeper in, in Liga this season? Um, I know you, you know or know I have a love affair with Benjamin Lecomte, but... Uh, any others you want to throw into that mix? Vakut has been very good. Yep. Yeah, that's a good and, shout. Uh, despite the fact that Strasbourg are way down there, I think Kamar has actually been, um, actually been decent. I think a lot of their problems are the people in front of him rather than him. Yeah, yeah, especially a struggling team. You never uh-huh. quite know what's uh, how to judge a goalkeeper, do you? Um, I think Ariola deserves a mention. I know it's 
kind of gets yeah. ignored because because he's a PSG keeper, but I think he's improved massively, and mm. certainly in Europe. No, I can um, give you that. Even yeah, that Bayern match where they smashed Bayern. Because um, he had such a hard start, it's almost better that he's come back so strong, isn't it? That yeah. he had a few mistakes, and it would have been very easy to throw Kevin Trapp back in. Um, oh, Bordeaux have just taken the lead over St Etienne, by the way. Uh, five a great goal. goal as well. It was, really was. Um, yeah, I think that's a notable mention. Um, absolutely. The other part of the question we had from uh, Carl Carpenter, good surname, that Carl. Um, League Dev players to watch. Uh, yeah, we'll save that one for, for an expert when we next get them on. Other than the Come obvious, of course. Luzzy Bozak. <laughs> <laughs> Other than him. Um, our good friend Thomas um, at uh, WYSAF Man. Favourite and most hated celebrations. Can't stand a pies. Can't stand a pie in all honesty. <laughs> um, I I did like Fakir's at well the, the Fakir and the Derby is the obvious one that I yeah. quite enjoyed. Um, Cavani's Archer, not so sure about that myself. No, um, I'm I'm always worried he's going to just you know injure somebody in the stands. Yeah, or um, because I was uh, love making with a corner flag that wasn't pleasant either. Um, I yeah, don't like I'm glad I missed that one. In that case, Dean Maria's heart thing. Oh, oh the they heart. all do the heart. I've hated that since Gareth Bale did it all those That's years it. ago. Just Giovanni oh, Cio like... did the full, you know, backflip and and somersault. Yeah, weekend. I, that's never going to get old. That's that's a good one. I'm rather disappointed that Alex Lacazette seems to have got rid of his um, pipes since he's come to Arsenal. He seems to have uh, disappeared that recently, which is a shame because I quite enjoyed that one. I'm I'm always a fan of just when a player goes absolutely bat mental. You know, when they just race around the pitch with no thought or yeah. care in the world. So, or en- end up in the, the ultras end or something. That's yeah, or out the stadium or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and Simon, uh, I believe that's pronounced Quere. I hope it is. Um, at Simtam, does the Ren Revolution start now? We're going to save that one for when Rich returns, not Jez, when Rich returns. Uh, so we'll try and remember that for next week. Um, and uh, Pieter hyphen Jean at PVB9050. Um, can 2011 French champions uh, Lille, with the winter break approaching, avoid relegation? I mean, yes, they can, but uh, I think a lot's going to have to change um, to get them up the table. So that's going to be one we're going to keep a close eye on. Yeah, lots lots is going to happen in Lille. Um, I think Bielsa will go fairly shortly, and then the rest we shall... Well, God knows what will happen, but we'll keep a close eye. Um, the only other question we had was uh, Le Fosse, number 12, uh, Tariq Amir about Nice. Um, I think, Jez, you addressed that one, which we'll cover um, a little bit further down the line. So uh, there we go. Managed to squeeze them all in, didn't we? Look at that. Uh, right. Um, we are going to draw an end to this week's show with those questions there then. Thank you very much for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at French FT Weekly. You can also find us on SoundCloud if you want to download our, uh, our episodes, which, of course, you would have done if you're hearing it here, if you aren't already hearing it through other means, of course. But keep listening. Uh, keep sending us your questions. And if, again, as we say every week, if there's anything you want us to bring up or anything, you've, burning issues you want to address, such as size of Liga numbers or Neymar's boots, uh, please do get in touch and we'll do our best to uh, get those looked at. My final thought this week is, how many issues is that new fluorescent winter ball going to cause with goal line technology? Yes, that'll be one to keep an eye on. Uh, my thanks to Jez and to Phil for your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we will be back, of course, this time next week, all being well. A uh, few of us are off and about, but uh, plan is to be back same time next week. So stay tuned to the Twitter account. Until then, uh, enjoy your French football 
and we'll speak to you very soon.